Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Russ M., and I'm the Covered Compulsive Overeater. Today is Friday, November 3rd, 2023. We're reading from the big book. We're on page 163, that second paragraph. We know an AA member ending with what did our friend have on the ball? All right. Today's readers, the steps, we have KDG, the Traditions, Tens, and P. Starting, in, starting us off is Anne-Marie M. Page 164 is Carmela G., our backup reader. Well, don't worry about her. <laughs> it was KDG. The newcomer greeter is Susan S.H., and second hour host is Anne N. A. N. A. All right. A reference number for yesterday, Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, to 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 20,779. That's 20799. The 10 a.m. meeting, 20,800, 20800. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA for those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. And uh, Katie G is going to take care of the steps for us today. Hey, family. Katie G recovered from compulsive eating in Boston. 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for us for taking the meeting. Thanks, Katie. Next up is uh, Tenzin P. with the traditions. 
Mm, good morning, everybody. Uh, Tenzin P checking in from New York, and here are our 12 traditions. Uh, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater, compulsive eater, whatever, who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before our personalities. Thank you very much. Thanks, Denzin. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today, we're back in a vision for you, chapter 11. Uh, second paragraph, page 163, we know of an AA member, and it ends with, what did our friend have on the ball? We're just reading that one paragraph. And today's first reader starting us off is Anne-Marie M. Good morning, Russ. Thank you, and everyone uh, this morning. Uh, this is Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina, uh, grateful to be recovered through God's grace and by working the steps in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So we know of an AA member who was living in a large community. He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. This was only a few days ago at this writing, 1939. 
the authorities were much concerned. He got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So he inquired, what did our friend have on the ball? Oh, well, this is quite the paragraph with much history, and I'm really hoping that our, our, our dear friend will come on and, and give us a history of, of who's who in this paragraph. And, you know, um, as, as much as I love to hear who's who, you know, it, you know, it matters that this man who was recovered um, from alcoholism, you know, uh, moved into this town and was eager to look and help other alcoholics. And I find that for myself. You know, when I hear someone that is wanting help, I get excited because I know God has given me the gift of being helpful to others. And that's only through working these steps. Because believe me, when I first came in, it was all about me and poor me and how I couldn't stop. And I was compulsively eating and just so self-centered. And by working the steps and um, living them, you know, living them every day, I continue to look and seek where I can be helpful. And um, that's a gift. You know, I, when I came in, I just wanted to get thin. That's all I wanted, never mind helping other people. Um, but I am so grateful. And um, and then this doctor that he comes across, you know, and he's willing and anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So God has, you know, just blessed um, just those who want to help. And so with that, I am going to pass and um, turn it over back to you, Russ. Thank you. Russ? All right. Uh, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry about that. Thanks, Anne-Marie. All right. So we're opening up the lines for sharing. And uh, so if... Um, we ask that you limit your share, right? So although we value your experience, we ask you to limit your share with every third day. Sorry about that. I got a little chaos going on here. And so if you shared yesterday or Wednesday, please just step back and allow others to share. Who would like to share on this page 163? Harlan G. Harlan. Linda D. Linda. Julie P. Julie. Monica Delaware. Uh, can you say that one more time, please? Monica in Delaware. Um, Monica, what's what's the first initial of your last name, please? M. M is in Monica. <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks, Mon. You got it. Sue Ann W. Sue Ann. That was Sue Ann. Who else? Plenty of time here. All right, well, that's a pretty good list. We got Harlan G, Linda D, Julie P, Monica, and Sue Ann, and uh, anyone else? 
right. Let's go. Paul, you're up. All right, Russ. Thank you very much. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at this paragraph, and the first person that we're going to be introduced to here is Hank Parkhurst. And Hank Parkhurst was a resident of New Jersey, Teaneck, New Jersey, and he was mandated by a court to go to a psychiatrist because of his alcoholism, and he was in divorce proceedings with his wife. He later got back with his wife. They later did divorce, but that's not important now. Hank Parkhurst goes to a psychiatrist called Dr. Howard in Montclair, New Jersey, and he brings with him one of the first monolith copies of the big book. Monolith would be akin to mimeograph. I remember when I was a kid, if you're my age, I'm 69, we used to have mimeograph sheets in school, and that's exactly what it was, was a mimeographed copy of the big book. And Dr. Howard is examining this book. And what does he see in the book? What does he see? He sees a book that is written essentially in the imperative. If the imperative and the declarative, and I'm going to get into that in just a second. He sees if you don't do this and you don't do that, throw the book away. If you don't do this and you don't do that, and he he knows that the mentality of the alcoholic is a mentality of the rebel. We don't like being told what to do. And so he goes to Bill Wilson. Now, this is just months before the book is going to be published, printed. And he convinces Bill to do a last-minute rewrite. And Bill changes much of the atmosphere of the book from the imperative to the declarative. In other words, instead of these are the steps you must do, this is what you must do. Chapter 7 is still in the imperative. If you want a comparison, chapter 7, working with others, it says you say this and you do that. Well, the book was like that, and Bill went back through, and these are the steps we took. These are the things we found. And by changing that whole atmosphere of the book, Dr. Howard of Montclair, New Jersey, is one of those God-given miracles that made the book palatable to the rebellious nature of the attic. How many of us on the line right now like to be told what to do? I don't think there's a lot of us. You know, we are immature, sensitive perfectionistic rebels by our nature. That's what we are. It's who we are. It's in the basic fiber of our being. And Hank Parkhurst doesn't know whether Bill will undertake this rewriting, hundreds of hours of work to to go through everything and to, to make sure, you know, you're not telling people what to do. And Dr. Howard convinced Bill in early 1939, I'm going, in 1939, to undertake this, he did, and the rest is history. This is very, very important. Okay, thanks, Russ. With that, I'll pass. Thanks for your service. Thanks, Har. Didn't mean to tell you what to do. All right, next up is Linda D. Good morning, everybody. My name is Linda D. I live in Connecticut, and I'm just so grateful for this meeting. This meeting has been such a healing bomb, B-A-L-M, to my soul. 
um, what did this man, what does this book have on the, on the ball? Um, what did this um, program have on the ball? I'm going to give you an example of that. There's a line from yesterday, um, I'm jittery and alone. That's the way I wake up. I'm jittery and alone. The jittery part is organic. It's brain chemistry. I have a mental illness. Not great news, but at least I know about it. Okay, now what am I going to do? I'm going to... I'm going to eat and eat and eat and eat, and then I'm going to shop, 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 or have sex, 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 or gamble, gamble, gamble. My brain doesn't function. I'm going to find a way to shut it down, or I'm going to find a solution. It's in this book. It's in these steps because it's going to give me a relationship with God, and God is really, really real, and I didn't know that, but I know it now. And the example I want to give is two months ago, I called in. I had a dead body across the room. It was a beloved animal, and I was a wreck. And the first thing somebody said to me was, it was you, Russ. And you said, we got you. And I knew you were sending me love because that's what you do. That's who you are, personally, who you are. And there were about a dozen people that sent me texts with such support. Nobody said, look, it's only a cat for Pete's sake. Come on. You were so loving. And because you were so loving, because it wasn't just a cat, it was my best friend. Because you were so loving, I could imagine 12 spirits, so to speak, sort of white figures helping me put that beloved walker into the box, fold his eyes closed. I never did stuff like that. Bury that that boy with the help of my neighbor in the box in a very respectful way and grieve. Grieve like, wow, for weeks. I still have grief, but I got through it. I got through it, and I didn't have to overeat or do any of these self-destructive things that I learned to do because I didn't know how to live. This is a place to learn how to live through a relationship with God. You call the power whatever you want to call it. I call it God because that's what it is. And I only came in here to uh, lose weight so I'd look good naked. That's quite a, a jump of uh, a learning experience. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being my friend and, and helping me heal. I love you. Bye. Thanks, Linda. Appreciate it. Next up is Julie P. Followed by Monica M. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Julie P. I am a compulsive overeater recovering in the state of Minnesota today. I really want to thank you all for being here. Um, As the paragraph was being read this morning, I am really, my thoughts went to 
all of the alcoholics, more alcoholics contained per square mile. And I was just thinking about we are everywhere. And I was thinking about all of the addicts surrounded in my life and the pain. And I recently learned about my 10-year-old grandson who is begging for money from kids at school so he can go to the gas station to buy his fix. And I am thinking about my mom who died from this disease of obesity. She needed a new heart valve. I'm thinking about my brother who's killing himself. He's got diabetes and continues to eat sugar every day. And I'm thinking about my sister-in-law who was here yesterday, who ate herself all the way through the day, who's dealing with the loss of her stillborn grandson. And... I'm thinking about how grateful I am that I didn't have to eat yesterday. And I'm thinking about all the love that has been given to me as I process, reprocess the loss of my grandson who was basically lost to addiction as a stillborn and the pain that this disease causes. But there's hope for all of you newcomers on the line. There is so much hope that if we just keep coming back, the miracle is all around us. And thank you, everybody, who is so loving and caring and understanding on this line. And I'm wishing you all a blessed day. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Next up is Monica M. Hello, Monica Compulsive in Hi, everyone. Lisa Rosea. And here I am. Uh, 22 months absent and recovered one day at a time. Uh, never alone. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, 22 months ago, I felt so hopeless and I'm also in the beverage program and and I had a moment of clarity and I said, Oh, I wonder if Owen has three meetings and thank God that I went on them and identified and I found it my sponsor. I am so excited today because I'm going to a convention in my area. I haven't been to an OA meeting I live in Delaware. So I'm 45 minutes from Ocean City, so I'm going to Ocean City, and I don't even know what's home. But I know once I walk in that room, I'm going to know a lot of people because we have a common problem and a common solution. So I'm really grateful for all of you, and if it wasn't for you carrying the message, all of you, I wouldn't be here today to help another uh, recovering overeater, another person that's struggling like I did. And I still do, but I don't have to pick up the first bite. So I love you all, and thanks for all your service. Thank you. Thanks, Monica. So we're going to take a second, another list. Get ready. There's plenty of time, plenty of space. 
And if you, uh, obviously, if you you shared yesterday or Wednesday, please step back. I always have a shot at sharing. And we are on page 163, chapter 11, a vision for you, that second paragraph. We know an AA member, and it ends with, what did our friend have on the ball? So who would like to share? Dwayne W. Larry K. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. All right, I got Sue Ann. I'm sorry. I, I looked. I checked you off by accident. So Sue Ann's going to share. And now I got you. And then we'll take another list. I'm, I'm a little before today. I'm halfway, halfway. All right. So go ahead, Sue Ann. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's okay. Um, I'm Sue Ann W. from Pennsylvania. Um, I'm honored to be here and learn from everybody else that's shared before me. Um, I'm a little anxious, but I wanted to say that I love this paragraph because I'm learning from it as I'm reading it. I haven't been all that familiar with the big book, but I just, I really, it's, it's so, and I also, it's, it's just, it means a lot to me that explains what happened when a person moved into a community. And um, I'm going to say that yesterday I, I had a special moment where I realized that I'm just like everybody else. And I am. I'm just a defiant, a sensitive person, a various person that is a type of person that I am. And I learned this yesterday by, I was thinking about some sort of accident. I was sitting there on my phone, looking at window shopping or online shopping, and I said to myself, oh, no, this is an awful thing to do. I was like, wait a minute. I can do this. I'm just like everybody else. And that made me so happy. I was so happy when I realized that I'm just like everybody else instead of being a sore thumb that sticks out. So I want to say that I'm very happy to hear everybody share today. Um, thank you for your service, Russ. And everyone have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Sue Ann. I apologize for jumping the gun. All right, now we got Larry for the second round. How about it? Who else wants in there? Penny C. Kristen R. Kristen. Joanne L. That was Joanne. What was it? What was L. The first L. Joanne L. There was someone else, I'm sorry. Martha O. Martha, there we go. Anita J. Anita. Take a few more. Susan C. Susan C. All right, let's take one more. John. All right, John. All right, so we got Larry, Penny, Kristen, Joanne, Martha, Anita, Susan, and John. Uh, All right, Larry, you're up, buddy. Hey, Russ, thanks so much. Um, This is Larry Kane, recovered compulsive overreader from Chicago. I wanted to jump in to piggyback on what Harlan shared because I think it's important. Um, 
you know, Dr. Howard that he mentioned knew something, and I think it was divinely inspired. He and it was it was excellent advice. You know, if you why is it that people don't want to be told what to do? Because you may be someone on the line that says, I, I don't mind too much. <laughs> Tell me exactly what to do, and I'm going to do it. We hear people say that all the time. But in general, people don't want to be told what to do. And what Dr. Howard knew and advised um, was that, you know, we, human nature kind of dictates that we value our autonomy and our desire of, of, of a certain sense of control over our lives. So when someone tells us what to do, it often triggers a defensive response, right? And it may happen subconsciously. We might not even be fully aware of it, and it's a threat. It, it, it's a threat to our autonomy, and it challenges our sense of personal agency, right? So if we look at that, you know, we have resistance to this, particularly when we come into program. We're sensitive to begin with. And what Dr. Howard knew was individuals feel, uh, you know, their freedom is threatened if I come in here and tell you and slam the big book over your head and say, you get on the line every day and you – you make X number of phone calls a day, you know, a day, and you work the steps like your hair is on fire. Now we hear those things, and and if we're ready, and if we're in enough pain, we may take that those suggestions. But in general, when people come in, you know, there's there's a sense of loss to their autonomy and their desire for self-directed choices, and their own. It's a threat to their competence, and so they resist it. And I am just like anyone else; we're human, right? And there's a fear of the loss loss of our identity when individuals are told what to do it challenges their sense of self and their sense of identity because we all have unique beliefs and values and preferences that contribute to our identity so what a great thing that dr dr howard suggested because he knew that alcoholics just like other human beings sense the people that we are we want a sense of autonomy Yes, we begin to learn that we're, lack of power was our dilemma. Yes, we begin to learn we need to, to access this power. You bet. But the reality is it's important to note that, you know, while there's going to be resistance to being told what to do, doesn't mean that individuals are opposed, opposed to guidance or support from others. So we, we, we need to kind of walk that fine line, I believe, and I think it was excellent advice. And I try to do that as a sponsor as best I can. With that, I pass. Thanks so much, Russ, for your service. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate you. All right. Next up is Penny C. Good morning, and thank you so much, Russ. Um, the fact that I'm hearing you on Friday again is going right at the top of my gratitude list today. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I just love the, the, the shares we've had. Every day, they seem to be getting more powerful and more pertinent. Um, I'm just, I'm just wanting to share on that last uh, sentence. So he inquired what our friend had on the ball. That's like, you know, a doctor saying to me the other day when I was at a new specialist and um, told him, um, you know, I'm five feet tall and I used to weigh 200 pounds. And he looked at me and said, "How did you do it?" That was like saying, what did you have on the ball? And I said, Overeaters Anonymous. And really, hardly ever does a doctor say they've heard of it. Hardly ever. And he said, yes, I've heard of it. That's wonderful. And so, you know, I proceeded to tell him a little bit more about it and realized that, you know, uh, 
I don't just have the book in my hand like a, a previous paragraph said. I have my recovery all about me, and and people people see that. And like St. Francis is quoted to say, you know, go out and, and, and preach to the whole world. And if you must, use words. So people see that what we have on the ball is, is our recovery, our transformation that people can, can observe and, and not only read about in a book. So, um, oh, I am, we are so blessed. All of us are just so blessed to be here. So blessed for me to be able to pass it on. I have a new sponsee who's so excited about this big book that um, she had been given but never went through. And and she's just finding it to be, um, what's the word, exciting and, and wonderful. So uh, I'm just so pleased to hear and to hear the history and and Hank Parkhurst and Dr. Howard, and I've heard those names before, but I didn't realize that, you know, they fit into this paragraph. So thank you again, Russ, for being there. Thank everybody for the shares this morning and, and every day for that matter. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Penny. Appreciate it. Next up is Kristen R., followed by Joanne L., Good morning. This is Kristen R. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater in Virginia. I am um, touched this morning to hear so many people talking about um, good sponsorship. Um, it's not something I've ever done well. I've mostly bullied my sponsees, um, the ones I had a few years ago, um, into agreeing with me and, and never really understood that um, what I say and how I say means something to other people. Um, especially when they're in a vulnerable state like trying to recover. But I have been fortunate to have very loving and very compassionate sponsors. That doesn't mean they were always nice to me. A lot of them were very straightforward and told me exactly how it was Um, because in some ways that's the only way I know how to listen. Um, But I've been blessed. I'm very grateful for it. And I just wanted to share that because – if you're new on this line and you're wondering how you're going to get, you know, recovered and get a sponsor, just start with getting a sponsor. Um, and that, that can really set you free. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Kristen. Appreciate it. And next up is Joanne L. Followed by Martha, Martha O. Hi, this is Joanne L. in Ohio. Um, I'm just moved today to share because I'm so filled with gratitude for this program. Um, I've been listening on this line for a little over a year, and wow, I'm learning so much. I mean, I hats off to the historians on here that take time and effort to study the history of this program and, and are willing to share what they've learned with all of us. and. Um, all the shares, uh, people that share from their experience, strength, and hope. It's just, it's transformed my whole program. I work my program completely differently than I ever have. And um, I, I'm seeing that transformation that 
everyone always talked about and I never quite got. So um, I just needed to claim my seat and thank all of you for your service. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Joanne. Appreciate it. So before Martha jumps up here, I want to let you know where we're at again. We're in a vision for you, chapter 11, page 163, and we're in the second paragraph. We know of an AA member ending with, what did our friend have on the ball? All right, Martha, it was up, followed by Anita J. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Martha O in Vancouver, Canada. Thank you for a wonderful, wonderful meeting. And I have been just really, really struggling with relapse for just on and off for months now. And I just wanted to quickly share how just for anybody else who's struggling, just proof of God in this program is that I woke up um, just after four in the morning, kind of agitated and not, you know, just feeling so unsure and the waves of fear coming over again, and I had kept trying to restart, but just not having the willingness in this program, and then um, I had a text from the wonderful Melissa just saying that in her morning meditation, she had reached, she had felt direction to reach out to me, and then I, while I was starting to <laughs> answer her, I just because it was four in the morning here, I, I dialed into this meeting, and then the first thing that we were reading here was, um, I'm jittery alone, I couldn't do it, but you can, you forgot that you've now tapped into a force of power much greater than yourself, and so it's like just living, literally living the message, being woken up in the middle of the night, having someone immediately reach out to me that I haven't spoken with in ages, and um, just feeling that everything I need is right here, it's through you and through this book, um, but with willingness, that's all I have, and I have willingness today, and I love, love, love this chapter, and it's been waiting for me all along, as have all of you, and thank you, everyone, for all of the gifts, and for sharing the message, and I will pass. Thank you, Martha. <clears throat> Next up is Anita J., followed by Susan C., Thank you, Russ. This is Anita J. in Massachusetts, gratefully recovered. Through this book uh, and, the, and how it's been presented on this line, I've used this book before, but it didn't change. It didn't do any kind of transformation that nobody would have said, you know, what does what Anita have on the blog? What, what? You know, questions like that, because I had, there was no transformation. I really appreciate that this doctor was open. He knew that he didn't have all the answers. And actually, it wasn't until I finally said to myself, you don't know. You don't know what to do next. You don't even know what to do today. Where, where can you safely put down your guard and turn for help. And where are you going to hear a real help message? 
not uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or, you know, all those things we've been told. Um, not unkindly, but it was no answer. This, this paragraph is pointing to the early pioneers who saw that it was a workable answer and kept passing it on, and I'm telling you, it's just going to change. The things I can do now, I would never have dreamed, you know. You wouldn't believe it, folks, but I was Cleopatra Tuesday night for Halloween. I know, I know what you think. But it was a transformation. I don't want that one. I want the one I have here, but it's been... It's been a wonderful journey, and I've done it with all of you, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Anita. Appreciate it. Next up is Susan C., followed by John M. Hi, this is Susan C. from Pennsylvania. Can you hear me? We got you. Okay. Well, this is great uh, reading. I haven't been on the meetings all that much and working with the sponsor and um, it just reminded me like how when I was in the food I was so isolated and um, socially and there was no input coming into my brain except mm, what my thoughts were about food and living and that kind of thing and fears and resentment and now that I'm working with somebody it's it's like it's challenging, and I have resistance, and going, you know, even if I have to take like little break. And um, I remember years ago in LA, we used to get pamphlets and go to the doctor's office and and uh, you know just tell them our experience, strength, and hope. And um, I think I would like to do that because I work with. Well, I work with people in a a field that I'm in, and some of them really are in, um, I I feel like they could use, you know, OA. And so I would love to start a meeting there, but, you know, I have to tread lightly with that and make sure that that's okay with the um, professionals who who uh, runs the office. And we used to give pamphlets in doctor's office and have um, things on TV, you know, public information, that kind of thing. And that way it's like they're getting it through that way. And um, you, you just can't, you know, people are just resistant. I told one lady I went to a farmer's market, and when I started talking about it, it was like she put up like the uh, – you know, like like I was a vampire or something. She didn't really want to hear the message. So, yeah, I think you have to um, tread lightly. One time I was on a cruise, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to go up on the table outside and sit by myself because I was weighing and measuring the food. I didn't want to make a big deal at the table. I'm sitting there eating, and somebody came over to me because they saw what I was doing. I mean, that's that's pretty powerful stuff, you know, so that, um, I, I feel like I have hope for myself and I feel like now that there's hope for other people too, and just just to be, I guess, very, 
sometimes very gentle, diplomatic, um, and just go through different channels and connect with my higher power. Where can I best be of service? So thanks. All right. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. Perfect timing. Next up is John M., and then we'll take another list. Stay one, John. Good morning. Thanks for letting me share. Um, this is just my testimony. I don't necessarily recommend it for anyone else. And certainly, um, I believe that God gives us all our individual programs, just as a, a parent treats each child differently, um, subject to their will and their needs. Uh, so God gives us personally what we need. And um, I, for me at this point, it's communing and getting closer to my higher power. I have definitely uh, finally understood that I can't do this by myself. And that also I need this program. I need people. I, I need brothers and sisters to love and be loved by. So uh, as I finally, uh, this lesson sinks in, um, I realize that I am getting healed here. And it's not about the food. This OA is not a diet club. It's a spiritual program. And uh, what the spirit needs is love. So I pray more and more for the spirit to love myself and others. And I learn to slowly, because for me it's not a, oh, one and done. Uh, I, I pray slowly uh, for step three to change my life. Slowly I give up my will to him, knowing that he knows what's best for me. And so uh, I see a, a wonderful change on the horizon. It's not here yet. The sun doesn't come up in a second. It slowly rises, and I see the change, and I see that sun coming into my life more and more. And it's getting better bit by bit. Uh, and who is to say how long it should take each of us to heal? Some of us are coming from a greater distance. So on this walk, it's going to take us longer for those of us starting from farther back than for those who started more up front. Duh. It is a race. It's a race to purify ourselves and perfect ourselves. So I thank God for this wonderful program. It is rooted in divine love, and, and I thank God for all the brothers and sisters uh, who have helped me and will help me along the way, and that's all I want to share. Thanks for letting me share. All right, John. Thanks a lot. We have time for two more shares. Who, want, who wants them? Have at it. Mary Lou and Pete. And Pete. So we got Mary Lou. What was that? What was the person that said your uh, your last name? G. Okay, Mary Lou G and Pete. Mary Lou, you are up. Oh, thank you, Russ, and thank you everybody for your service, and thank you all for carrying the message to me today. I'm so grateful to be here, and I thank God. I really, I, I just can't say how much this meeting means to me. I've been coming pretty much every day for about two and a half, three years. 
And I learned so much from all of you. And I really love it when people say that, you know, um, they might have worked the steps many times before, but working these steps through visions and reading this paragraph by paragraph every day, it's just it's just amazing to me how I feel your transformation and that transfers and translates over to me. So I really, really appreciate that. And I, um, <clears throat> as far as this paragraph, you know, in the beginning where it talks about many alcoholics in the community, I think for me, I, I see, I just see so many um, suffering people with, you know, compulsive overeating, diabetics who eat sugar every day, um, just people that are, you know, um, having the different programs and whatnot that, you know, the diets that don't work. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a person who has been on a diet, I think, since I was 13 years old, and I'm now 73. So that's a long time. And, uh, and you know, working the steps the way that it's laid out here in the big book, following the instructions and being inspired by all of you. I couldn't be more grateful today. So I just want to claim my seat. Mary Lou G. from Massachusetts. And thank you all, and thank you, Russ and everybody for your service to me. That's it. I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Mary Lou. All right, next up is Pete B, and we'll see if we have extra time for someone else. Thanks, Russ, for taking the meeting. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy in the state of Pennsylvania. And, uh, yeah, you know, I love this chapter of vision for you. You know, it lays out it lays out for the reader, for us, what what life could be like, right? What it was like in the beginning and what it could actually be like for us. And it's, it's, it, it provides a lot of hope. You know, and then, we, and then we have the meeting to talk about the paragraph or talk about the chapter. And uh, from my perspective, it doesn't necessarily correlate back to what the, the chapter reads. You know, it, 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 a vision for you talks about, about having freedom, camaraderie, the joy of living. And then we hear, you know, about, you know, specifically, you know, a lot of talk yesterday about how much time my program takes and how much time, the, you know, the, the, the program investment, we have, you know, people talk about how much they're able to get done, you know, rather, how much program work there is to get done. And, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if I got the wrong book or, or what the situation, but, you know, the, the, the programs don't involve much. Put the food down. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Grow spiritually and help others. That's essentially what it's all about. We don't call quotas. We are, our, our, the program of recovery, the only step that we have to write is in step four. The only step that involves other people is step five. And in step ten, if I've harmed somebody, you need to make amends. Like there's, there's no, it's not, it's not overly complicated. There's no, you know, we, we don't need to, to make this thing bigger than it is. The, the, book, the, the book that we claim to be divinely inspired and God was guiding Bill's hand in writing it didn't need to add more. Three phone calls a day and, an a, and a PM report and then weighing and measuring every single emotion that crosses my mind. That's not freedom. 
freedom is walking the way your God would have you walk, carrying yourself the way your God would have you carry yourself. This vision that these people had that wrote this book. I've been delivered through a life beyond my wildest dreams as a result of working the 12 steps of, the, of, of, of Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous. And I developed a relationship with a God of my understanding that allows me to match calamity with serenity. No problem is insurmountable. Let, we don't need to overly complicate this thing. Who's given out the instructions? Who's given out the directions on these are the things you must do to recover? What we must do to recover is put the food down and have a spiritual experience and help others. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Pete. So we have two minutes. Yes, can I say something? Yeah, who are you? My name's Nancy. Is there a requirement on the meetings, like uh, you can only speak twice a week? Yes, you, you, the uh, leadership is uh, every every third day, so basically twice a week, yes. Okay, because it needs to be enforced. Thank you. Well, it's on the recording, so those who take care of it will fix that up for you. We need one more share for a minute. A minute and a half we got. I think I got Kathy S. Does that sound oh, right? right? I think I heard, I heard <laughs> Kathy S. All right. Yeah. All right, Kathy. Yeah, this is Kathy S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. And um, real quick, this what really resonated with me was ball. And what comes up for me is the idea of connection. And recently, and it's a connection to a higher power. Recently, my daughter's battery, car battery, was absolutely dead. And um, I tried, we were, I went, we, we worked on it. <laughs> and we, there was a lot of corrosion on the connections. And we worked on cleaning that. We bought a new battery. And then, even still, it was struggling to start <clears throat> the next day. And she came to the house, and it, was, and it wouldn't start. And we were like, oh, man. So, um after looking at it, what the problem was, was, again, the connection. They weren't tight enough, and it wasn't strapped down real well, so my husband fixed that. And then it worked, and the car is, is doing great, you know? It comes down to this idea, and, and that is what the magic of this meeting, too, this connection that we have with each other. Everybody does this work. We work the steps. We reach out to one another and support one another. We have that connection with a higher power that brings about transformation. And it's, it's by working the steps together. And um, with that, I pass. Perfect time. We can't hear you. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I got knocked off. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to have uh, Carmella G. read a vision for you. Our book is made, meant to be suggested only. I, I got it. For that. Sorry about Thank that. 
Thanks. Carmela G., grateful from New York. Page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.